So we have talked. Uh, many, many weeks or many weeks ago, uh, I, I spoke on a common labor in the adult Sunday school class. We had our labor series, if you remember that, uh, back in the month of uh, months of April and May. We talked about a common labor. We talked about a common love on June 22nd of this year, a more excellent way, also in 1 Corinthians. And now I'd like to draw our attention to a common Lord that we have. This is our emphasis uh, this evening, God which giveth us the victory. 1 Corinthians was a letter written to the city of Corinth. It was a letter to a worldly church affected by a wicked city. And uh, we went over the need for charity the last time we met. And uh, if you'll look at verses 1 through 9, you'll notice um, it talks about the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. And uh, from 1 to 9, verse 1 to 9, he, he describes what is the gospel. Uh, uh, verse number 10, I am what I am because of the grace of God. Uh, verse 11, uh, Christ is alive today. And, and all the way through verse uh, number 12, and if there be no resurrection of the dead... Uh, verse 13, then is Christ not risen. Verse 14, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also uh, vain. Uh, ver verses uh, 13 to 33, we realize that Christ will reign because he defeated death. In verse 34, uh, we're commanded to awake to righteousness and sin not. It is possible uh, to sin not. Elsewise, we would not be commanded to do that. And so uh, let, let, let's await to righteousness, shall we, today? And in verses 35 through 50, we see a description of spiritual and natural bodies. And, and, and finally, verses uh, 51 through 58, we're admonished to keep fighting the good fight, to trust God and obey God, because one day uh, we're going home and we're going to see him. And uh, your labor is not in vain, and thanks be to God. Now understand today that faith is not a work. It's dependence on the worker. We sang about how our victory is uh, faith is the victory, F-A-I-T-H, for all I take him. It's Christ, not I, but Christ. And uh, victory is possible today. And I want to talk today about this victory that we have in Jesus. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Turn to Galatians uh, 2.20, Galatians 2.20. And if you turn there before I do, I want you to take out uh, your prayer page, and you see that, that insert there. And you say, uh, hey, Kevin, uh, <laughs> is this the outline? <laughs> and I, I kind of say, uh, yes and no. I do want to go through each of these, and uh, I'll explain a little bit of what this is all about uh, very uh, shortly. Uh, but, you know, uh, let's look together at uh, uh, Galatians 2.20, 2 and uh, just, just be reminded of these things. I am crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, I am dead. I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I say to you today that he didn't just give himself for you, he gave himself to you. And if you study the book of 1 John very carefully, very closely, you will realize and learn that the indwelling Christ lives in you. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you have access by faith to the victory that is only uh, through Christ. Now, appropriately, this is a, a Bible study, and you see this long, long list. I want to go through each of these verses individually. And, and before I do, 
Um, I'm going to turn to John 1, uh, 12, and you can turn there uh, as I explain a little bit what this is all about and why God has moved me to this. This is actually a photo I took from Camp Yes on Pender Island, and every time I walked by it, it was right beside some light switches by the kitchen, and uh, I was just encouraged to realize that if we will realize who we are in Jesus Christ and see the, the victory that we have in, in Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it says there, who I am in Christ, God, which giveth us the victory, and I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. We see our identity in Christ. So you'll, you'll see, first of all, that uh, I am God's child. I am God's child. Uh, John 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him to... Them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you're uh, born again, if you're heaven born and heaven bound, uh, and you are on your way to heaven, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are a son of God. Uh, Notice, uh, secondly, I am Christ's friend. I am Christ's friend. Now, I tapped a few teenagers on the shoulder, and I'm going to do something very dangerous, and that's ask for some. uh, volunteers and for some help uh, after we've exhausted uh, so, some, of, some of the resources of me uh, having tapped on certain people on the shoulder. Uh, you know, uh, so, so once they're done, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands and I'm going to need some help here because I want some audience participation. So Ryan's going to be our first one to read uh, John 15, 15. John 15, 15. Turn there. I love to hear the, the pages rustle. And, you know, and we're turning in our Bibles because we're going we're gonna to dig into the Word and we're going we're gonna to find this ourselves, all right? So the first word there is henceforth. Chapter 15, verse 15, the Gospel according to John. John 15, 15. Go ahead, brother. I have called you friends. I have called you friends. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Would you obey God today? Would I obey God today? He is our friend. And uh, a servant doesn't know what his master does, but it says right here that Jesus Christ calls us his friends. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I am forgiven. Colossians 1.14. Colossians 1.14. Jacob Molina, can you get that one? Colossians 1.14. Speaking of Jesus, Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Go ahead, Jacob. Amen. We have the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. Quickly, quickly, quickly. First Peter 2:24, let me read it for you, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. We were healed because of the stripes of Christ. Uh, look at uh, Colossians 2:10, Colossians 2:10, "I am complete." 
Colossians 2.10. I'll read this one as well. And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. He is the head. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. We are the body and Christ is the head. And if we are the body, why are his feet not going? Why are his hands not reaching to a world that needs to hear about Jesus Christ? Why is his tongue not speaking the goodness of God? I encourage you today, be the church. Be the church. We are complete in him, and he is the head of all principality and power. I am free from condemnation. Can I get a volunteer? Romans 8, verse 1. Ezra? Romans 8, verse 1 and verse 2. Think of that. Look at verse 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I would like to, to imagine a hot air balloon, all right? And you step into the basket, and the pilot of the air, the air balloon, he asks you, are you ready? And you kind of nervously lie to him and say, yeah, sure. <laughs> and he unhooks the rope, and it kind of slips off, and whoosh, you're hundreds of feet in the air. And uh, now you realize that the law of gravity does exist, but what's happening is there's a higher law, the law of hot air rising, for lack of a, a, a kind of scientific uh, term there. But uh, you realize there the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And uh, you realize today that the law of sin can be kind of compared to the law of gravity. And it, let's say you're floating in that hot air balloon uh, for about an hour or so, and you look around and you see all God's wonderful creation and you begin to get a little arrogant and you say, you know what, I've been floating up here a total of 60, 60 or so odd minutes. You know what, I don't even think the power of gravity, the law of gravity even exists anymore. And you step outside of that basket and as you come tumbling towards the ground, you realize that, yes, the law of gravity very much still does exist, right? But what's keeping you here? If you stay in the basket, if I may say, if you abide in the basket, if you stay in the basket, you'll soar to heights unknown, and God can really use your life. If you will abide in Christ, and you will uh, stay in the basket, let me encourage you in that way. Thanks, Ezra. I cannot be separated from Christ's love. I cannot be separated from Jesus' love. Go ahead, Brother Barry. Romans 8.35. I'm going to read the next verse. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus Christ. Our Lord, I am a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3, verse 20. Philippians 3, 20. Turn there. Do you have a volunteer to help me with this? Philippians 3, verse 20. Gloria. Gloria. 
Christ, the hope of glory. Christ, who is our life, our conversation, our life, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven, and I'm just passing through. As I walk across this earth, uh, no car, no earthly possession, uh, no, no hobby, no sin, no, no criminal activity, uh, no, no, no television, no earthly possession can compare uh, to, to what is going to be in heaven. And heaven will be heaven because he is there. And remember that. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Uh, we're going to skip over that one because it's cut off. But if you'll read all of 1 John chapter 5, your heart will be blessed. I am born of God. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Notice, I am God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, turn there if you would. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Who can read this for me? Somebody, somebody, somebody. We should. We should. We ought to. It's our reasonable service that we walk in them. We are his workmanship. We are, the, we are his handiwork, and we are created in Christ Jesus uh, to good works. Notice, it says, in Christ Jesus. When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you were placed into his history. You have his past, and you have his future. You are not your past. You are not your past. You are who Jesus Christ says you are. Look at this. You're God's child. You're Christ's friend. You're forgiven. You're complete. You're free from condemnation. You cannot be separated from the love of Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. You are born of God. The evil one can't overcome you. You are his workmanship. Notice you are strong. Philippians 4, verse 13. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I am alive, Ephesians 2, verse 5. Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together. He had made us alive together uh, in Christ, with Christ, by grace, you are saved. You know, you know, Christ is the initiator. God is always previous. God is always first. We love him because he first loved us. And he loves us today, God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. We were dead in sins, and he quickened us. He made us alive. Praise the Lord for that. Notice, you are delighted in. You are delighted in. Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah 3.17. Kind of a tricky passage to find, but it's in the Old Testament. And hopefully you can find that. Zephaniah 3.17. I'll read this for you. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Amen. He will joy over thee with singing. I'm thankful for God that sings. And we ought to learn uh, how to glorify God in song if uh, God has given us in that uh, capacity. I am loved. I am loved. Jeremiah 3.13. Jeremiah 3.13. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Verse 14, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take uh, you one of a city, and two of a family, and I will bring you 
unto Zion. I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Romans 1.17. Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Ephesians 2.4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Who can do uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Go ahead, Ezra. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Go ahead. Amen. All things have become new. You don't have to make the same mistakes. You don't have to go back to your old sin. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so doth the fool return to his own folly. Don't do it, man. You don't have to be unforgiving. You don't have to gossip. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to lie. You don't have to steal. You don't have to look at pornography. You don't have to be the old man. You don't have to be the, 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 the old person who you were, uh, who you are in Christ. God gives you the victory. You are delighted in, you are loved, you are new, you are never alone. Deuteronomy 31.8. Deuteronomy 31.8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. You're never alone. You are a masterpiece. You are a poem. Ephesians 2.10. You are his workmanship. You are wonderfully made. Psalm 139, verse 4. Psalm 139, verse 4. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. In, in verse number 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me. Thou hast known me. Thou knowest my downsitting, my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down art acquainted with all my ways. Uh, keep reading here. You're holy and blameless. You're wise. You're a conqueror. You're healed. You're brave. You're fearless. You are safe. You are beautiful. You are planned. You are light. You are valuable. In the eyes of God, you have value this evening. I just want to remind you of who you are in Christ because it's such an important uh, truth uh, to understand. When you realize who Christ is and you realize who you are in Christ, you cannot keep it to yourself. We cannot but speak the things which he has seen and heard. Like the woman at the well, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? And Kevin, you might ask, oh, why, why is it so difficult to be a good person? <laughs> you know, I want to go to church faithfully. I want to be faithful in my church attendance. I want to be good. 
I, I don't want to look at the wrong things. I don't want to act this way or say that or type that, send that. I, don't, I want to be a Christian man. I want to be a Christian lady. I want to be godly in 2022. But, but I struggle so, so much. Victory over sin is possible. Victory over sin is possible. Knowledge comes by looking around. Wisdom comes by looking up. And when you've hit the bottom, all you can do is look up. And when you reach the end of yourself, you reach the beginning of God. So let me remind you of something this evening. You can't do it. You can't. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. Without me, you can do how much? Nothing. Jesus Christ said that himself. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Through Christ, you must fight. Through Christ, you must win. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Nehemiah 4, verse 14. Uh, Nehemiah, he looked up and he said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people while they were building the walls, he said, be not afraid of them. Don't be afraid of our enemies. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and for your children. <laughs> you can't do it. You're right. You can't. Only God through you. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I've told our teenagers that rules can kill illicit desires, or they can't kill illicit desires. They can only cage them. Rules can't kill illicit desires. They can only cage them. And walking with God cannot be reduced to a list of do's and don'ts. I'm so tired of people leaving the will of God. And I'm not talking about just church attendance. I'm talking about people living in sin. People might say, oh, the church doesn't understand. Just let me do whatever I want. They have reasons. Maybe they see a hypocrite or maybe they are one. Maybe they love their own sin or maybe they hold other people to a higher moral law than they would have for themselves. But understand that what God expects from everyone, he demands from his children. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Spirit of God dwells, indwells you. The Spirit of Jesus literally lives in you if you are a Christian today. Let him fight your battles. Obey and trust him. Access his mind by believing his words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. You know why I believe a lot of people leave church today? Why a lot of our young people leave church today is because we have not shown them the beauty of Christ. We have not shown them the beauty of Jesus. Think of the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. Forty years wandering in the wilderness. And it's manna every day, every day, every day. And they're celebrating the Passover one day. Uh, here's little Junior. He sits on a cactus. And here's Papa. He sits on a rock. In the hot, hot sun. What are we doing? 
asked Junior. Junior, Junior asked his dad, and, and his dad says, we're celebrating Passover. We're celebrating what God did for us. When the death angel passed over, and he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't kill our firstborn, and we're celebrating what God did for us then. He preserved us then, and we're just taking some time to celebrate. The sun looks around, nothing but desert. A vulture flies by overhead, and he says, oh, I've heard the stories back in Egypt. We had leeks, we had pomegranates, we had wine, we had figs, we had everything we could have desired. Why don't we just go back to Egypt? I don't think our young people have seen the beauty of Jesus. And Egypt, if you don't know, is a picture of our sin. Canaan is a picture of victory land, not heaven, because there's still battles to be fought in Canaan. There's still giants to be overcome. And, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes we, we, we just don't have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Glory in the grace wherewith Christ has made us free. I'm tired of pastors leaving church because of sin or church members forsaking the assembling. And if you fail today, when it comes to failure, you can either make excuses or you can make adjustments. I don't want to make excuses. And I've I've watched over the last 10, 12 years, I've watched pastors, pastors, spiritual leaders cheat on their wives. I've watched them walk away from the church and just throw it all away, throw in the towel because... They saw the folly of this world. They saw the pleasures of sin. And they thought, it's good for a season. It'll be good for now. And they just enjoyed it. And they didn't realize that the end of those things is death. God is always good. It says in Psalm 119, Thou art good and doest good. He cannot do otherwise. God is always good. And I challenge you today, it doesn't matter what anyone, anyone else is doing. You tell yourself, I will walk with God. I will walk with God. Turn to Genesis 5. Genesis 5, verse 22. Genesis 5, 22. Genesis 5, 22 reads, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. You know, something changed in his life. He began to walk with God only after he had a child. And uh, I would imagine uh, some of you older folks in here could probably uh, speak to the fact that your life changes when you have a kid. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. Uh, you, you don't got to wait that long, of course. But if you read your Bible and do the math and think about some things, Methuselah's name means when he dies, it will happen. When Methuselah died 969 years later, he lived the longest in the Bible as recorded. When he died 969 years later, the flood happened. God is merciful. God is merciful. but I want us to just consider that he walked with God. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, but God took him. 
He walked with God. Lord, give us a generation of young men, young women, older men, older women that would just walk with God. You know, uh, can, I, can I just say this? Young preachers sometimes are considered an anomaly. Uh, people will congratulate you after the service and say, wow, you're the, the greatest thing since man discovered fire, or you're the next Charles Spurgeon, and they'll, they'll, they'll just encourage you in that way, sometimes excessively. They'll say, oh, I, I was greatly helped today. Thank you so much for preaching. But the greatest way that you can thank Pastor Turner for the message is to go out and live for God and obey Jesus. I don't do this to pontificate or to give eloquent speeches for the sake of giving them. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You ever feel like Jeremiah? You know what he said? The weeping prophet, he said this. He said, I will not make mention of him, nor any more speak in his name. He was discouraged, and his word was in mine heart. There was a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see people who thrive off gossip and tearing people down. They're part of the family of God. You better get along now, because in heaven, in heaven we'll all be together. You can trust God. What saith the scripture? Believe God. Believe his promises. He keeps his promises. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. Psalm 116, verse 1. I have a little bit of time now. And I'm going to tell you how I got saved, my personal testimony. Some of you don't know my story, and I'll be short, I'll be brief, as, as short as I can be. I was born in Macau, China, one of the three special administrative regions of that nation. Um, someone by the name of Pastor Joe Mandrino flew across an ocean trying to uh, minister to people who spoke Cantonese, but instead he found a lot of English speakers, a lot of Filipinos. And he reached out to my dad, who's in the congregation today. They had a musician's ministry, and they reached out to my dad, and my dad was saved in his early 20s, and he became the church pianist. He, he led the choir. He helped out a lot. There he met my mom, and they got married. My sister was born. I was born. We moved here. And uh, I remember just, just hearing about the Word of God, riding the church bus, and uh, I'm so grateful for the people who invested in my life. I remember a man by the name of Adonis Malazzo, and he went to each person in the room. He asked, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? And he got to me. He said, Kevin, if you died today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And I said, I hope so. He said, Kevin, you can know so. You don't got to be that way. I'm surprised he didn't Give me the gospel plan right then and there, but he just walked off. <laughs> but, you know, the, the question burned in my mind. And uh, as a seven-year-old boy, I prayed a prayer, but I put my faith in the prayer. I didn't understand what I had just prayed. Years went on, and, you know, uh, you're a kid, frivolous things. And then at the age of 13, I, I was in a, 
uh, I was under conviction while reading the back of one of those glow-in-the-dark devotionals. Some, some, some of you have those. It says at the back, admit, believe, confess. Admit, believe, confess. It's as easy as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And call on the name of the Lord. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And uh, I accepted Christ after reading that devotional, and I'm so grateful for Romans chapter 10. A few months later, I was in Santa Clara on the campus of Golden State Baptist College, and uh, North Valley Baptist Church, it was good, man. Uh, they're, they're really loud there. They're pretty emotional. They were saying amen, waving the hanky kind of thing. And uh, it, was, it was a great deal of fun. Uh, it was a youth conference, a ton of young people. It was a different culture, a different climate there, uh, even mentally. Uh, every, everyone was kind of on a different wavelength, I guess. <laughs> California special, I guess. But, um, you know, uh, Charlie Clark III from uh, New Jersey, Solid Rock Baptist Church, he went up to preach and he said, if you're a preacher boy, you come up and meet us right up here. You're called to preach. And the invitation went till midnight, and I didn't budge. I didn't, I didn't move from my seat. And uh, it's not about, you know, getting up and making a decision. But I should have made a decision in my seat. I didn't. And what followed were the uh, worst 10 years of my life. A decade of running away from Christ and like a Jonah of old running to Tarshish. The opposite direction. And if I may say this... Uh, you know, I, I'm thankful to God that I didn't get into something egregious where it would disqualify me from full-time ministry. But here I am, uh, several years later, after going through, uh, you know, secular college and going through Bible college. Um, one of the things that really uh, made me realize uh, what, was, what was going on in our culture um, was at BCIT. There, there, there was a little Chinese girl from a non-denominational church, Christian church. Um, and she was attending class, and I was sitting uh, pretty close to her. And th th there, was, there was a teacher, and he was against Trinity Western University's ruling at the time. This was around 2013, 2014, where they said, uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. It's one man, one woman for life. And uh, that's right. That's biblical. And I agreed with that. But the teacher as a lawyer, and he took issue with that, and he said they ought not to be saying that in, in a public institution, in public school. And this, 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 uh, this, this Christian, this Chinese Christian young lady from a uh, non-denominational church, just an ordinary church, you know, ordinary questions, he's like, well, isn't it bad? Isn't it bad if someone has two dads? And he said, what's the problem with that? What's the problem with someone having two dads? And I sat there in my seat, kind of just thinking about all that I've learned throughout all the years. And I thought to myself, what, what is happening? What is this world coming to? Well, I tell, you I tell you right now, it's coming to Jesus. And one day, you know, he'll come down in great glory. We're not looking to the White House. We're looking for the white horse. And I'm just, I, I was burdened at that point point, like, what am I doing with my life? I'm learning how to push pixels and learning how to make, you know, uh, you know, websites and videos and stuff. That, that's cool and all, but what about winning the world to Christ? 
And so, you know, I, I saw one of my buddies. He was going to West Coast. And uh, my, my, my parents really got on my case and said, listen, you're not doing anything with your life. I look at this guy. He's trying to make something of himself. He went to West Coast. I said, okay, I'll go. That guy didn't even finish school. He's not in church anymore. But I went. I gave God two years. He said, God, I hate you. You did nothing for me. If you're even out there, would you remind me that you exist? And uh, within a couple months, I nearly broke my ankle. My credit card stopped working. My phone stopped working. I really had nowhere to look but cry out to God and go to the only source of solace that I knew, which was the word of God. And so uh, one day, I just closed the door on the closet, and for 13 hours straight, I just read my Bible. I didn't eat. I didn't drink much. I just read my Bible. I stopped at Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. A man's heart deviseth his way, the Lord directeth his steps. Something I realized that day, I could make my plans, but it's going to go God's way, so I had better give up. Better just do what God wants me to do. You know, I didn't even surrender to be a preacher at that point. It took an entire summer. I went to Maryland, and they were having kind of a training session, revival meetings specifically for people who were called to preach. I went knowing I was called to preach, but didn't think I would surrender to preach at these meetings. And they had an evangelist there, quite an eccentric man. He would say things like, if words have meaning and language has integrity, then ideas matter. And so he was trying to do, he was trying to get us to read the word of God slowly and to actually see what God is saying to us with express purpose. And I listened, and I listened, and he listened, and he said, the real you is in Christ. It's seated with Christ in heavenly places. You don't have to live a wicked life. You don't have to live in your flesh. You don't have to rebel against your parents. You don't have to live a sinful life. You can do what's right. You can say what's right. You can think what's right through Christ. But if you try to do it on your own, you're in big trouble. And what happened, like 20, 20, 30 years in in independent Baptist culture, and sometimes in church culture, if I may say, that there's been a lot of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just try harder. And I say to you today, stop trying. Give up. Wave the white flag. You can't do it. The Christian life is not Hard. It's impossible. You cannot live for God. It must be the Holy Spirit through you and in me. Enoch walked with God. just want to encourage you in these. And uh, if you give me just a moment, I want to close out. And I want us just to realize who we are in Christ. You are forgiven. You are loved. You have a purpose for your life. Your eternal destiny is not worth your temporary comfort. Live for God. Live for God. Live for God. Hebrews 12, 
verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. I'll read this for sake of time. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's sitting there. I like what S.M. Lockridge said about our Savior. He said the heavens couldn't contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him off of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him. You can't live without him. Pharisees couldn't stand him. Pilate could find no faults in him. And if he'd look for centuries, he could find nothing. Herod could, couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been. He always will be. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. I'm just here to tell you today that our God loves us. He has a plan for our lives. And if we'll submit to him, he can do more with your life than you can. We live in a generation where we wonder if God can still work in Canada. I tell you this day that he can. Now to, unto him who is able to work exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He hath not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And if we say that we believe in this God of greater things, then pray tell me why we live in a day of lesser expectations. Our God wants to do something great in 2022. Do you believe that? There's nothing I'd rather be doing than telling other people about Jesus Christ, the only hope for this world. 